Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Welcome to Dan's Talks. Uh, This is Dan Retiner, and I'm interviewing Kelly Harris from the John Germain Library uh, this week. And uh, the library has uh, gone through a whole series of changes in recent years, uh, including an addition that was put on back. It's uh, one of the grandest libraries there is in the Hamptons, maybe the grandest in terms of its architecture from, I think, about 1910. Uh, You can tell me that yourself. Sag Harbor was a very prosperous whaling village and a lot of money was made by uh, some military people and uh, sailing people. How did it, it come to, come about and why does it bear the name it does? So the John Germain Memorial Library was one of three institutions that was gifted to the people of Sag Harbor by um, Lady Bountiful, uh, Miss uh, Emma Olivia Solcombe Sage. And she named the John Germain Memorial Library after her grandfather, John Germain. So that is how we got our name. Who is John Germain? Who is John Germain? Uh, he was a general. He was the father of M. Olivia Sulcum Sage, and he is the the namesake of 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 the library. He was, you know, he was a local Sag Harbor guy. He um he lived lived out his days here. He wasn't originally from here, but um he did he did build a life here. Did he was he a general in a particular uh, war that you that you know of? He was. I off the top of my head, I don't know, and I should know. Well, we, we have had many wars. Um, what year was the library built? Maybe so the, the library. The library was built in 1910, and I should say that although it is named for for John Germain, the real star of the show here, as always in Sag Harbor, is uh, Mrs. Russell Sage, uh, Emma Olivia Sulcum Sage, because she was just she was a powerhouse. She built the library. Her summer home was across the street in the Whaling Museum, and she also gifted us the park, Mash Hashemuit, called Mash Park by a lot of people, and uh, also the high school. So she did a lot of wonderful things for Sag Harbor, including bringing us this beautiful library. And in my office was one of the rooms that was restored during our restoration and expansion, which was completed in 2016. And actually, the desk I'm sitting at now is the desk that every library director has sat at since the library doors opened in 1910. And the furniture behind me is also original to the building. One of the issues in doing the renovation, uh, as I recall, I guess restoration is more like it, uh, was the beautiful uh, dome. Yes. Uh, how, and there were seemed to be what at first appeared to be almost insurmountable problems about it leaking and what could be done and what was available. How did they solve that? And then we can get on to uh, how the how the place is being run. 
the dome was was leaking. There was a lot of damage to the the brickwork. We were able to to fully restore it and it is it is now open. It no longer leaks and it's just it's absolutely stunning. So if you're in Sag Harbor, if you do nothing else, come to the library and check out our Scala Rotunda. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite spots. One of my favorite stories about the dome is that when they were sort of taking it apart to repair it, they were finding lots of paper airplanes. And what kids used to do back in the day when they were up in the rotunda studying, or maybe not doing so much studying, is that they would throw paper airplanes up into the rotunda. And we actually have some of those paper airplanes in our local history collection in our archives. So if you ever want to see the paper airplanes that once sat up in the in the rotunda, we have them. Probably causing the leaks. Possibly, yes. Right. Is the rotunda the central focus of the library, would you say? Is, is that where events occur? So something that we, we've just started doing again is offering programming in the rotunda. Uh, during the renovation and expansion, we put a small meeting room in on our lower level, which is easily accessible for individuals who might have trouble with, with stairs um, or walking long distances. So we were doing primarily most of our programming in the lower level program room. Then, of course, we had a pandemic and we were doing no in-person programming at all. Aren't we all tired of hearing about the pandemic? And then I became the director here in 2022. And one of the things we first we started doing when we started offering programs again is to offer programs up in the rotunda. And we're very excited. We're putting together a Thursday night series of programs in the rotunda tell during the about, summer. Tell me about what's going to be happening in the library that's, you think, the most exciting things? Oh, we have so many, like, we've, let me tell you, if you're not coming to the library, you're missing out. We've got tons of exciting things going. Our summer reading club theme this year for all libraries is all together now. So we have lots of children's teen programming. We have our teen Wagner's teen writing program. So in June, we're still working on a date for that. We're going to have our teen writers present at the podium up in the rotunda. We have this series that we're working on, on sort of lifelong learning issues that matter. We're going to have a conversation about what's going on in Ukraine. We're going to talk about what freedom to read really means and what it means to challenge a book in libraries in these days and ages. We're going to talk about adventure fishing. So we have a lot of really different, interesting topics to have people come in. And then we're also going to do a Sunday once a month concert up in the rotunda as well, because if besides being stunning to look at, the acoustics up there are just fabulous. What, uh, what concerts particular, what kind of music are you going to? Um, we have a pianist coming to play classical. We also, I believe, have Jim Turner coming, I think. And then there's one other one, and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. I have not put all the programs for summer in my brain yet. I think I keep thinking we have more time to uh, to uh, think about it, but summer's almost here, right? Tell me a little bit about yourself and how uh, you came to this job and how you're familiar 
how familiar you've been in your life and you know, in Sag Harbor or, or other places where you come from. Sure. So I um, I started my career in libraries when I was 15 at the Mattatuck Laurel Library in Mattatuck, New York. I'm a graduate of Mattatuck High School. And when I started there, I had no intentions of being a librarian, but a, a wonderful woman, uh, Barbara Moore, who uh, passed away a couple of years ago, uh, just kept saying, we're going to grow a librarian. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. We're going to grow a librarian. I went away to college. I actually have a degree in communications uh, with a focus on radio and television production. Uh, and I didn't do that. But I did go back to work at the library, and then I realized if if I want to make money in libraries, and to be clear, nobody makes money in libraries, but if I wanted to make a little more money in libraries, I was going to go have to get my library degree. So I did. Sure. I went to Palmer School, which is part of Long Island University. Mm -hmm. I got my master's in library and information studies and later my advanced certificate in public library administration. I was the children's librarian out in Amagansett for a while and then later their assistant director. Prior to 2022, I spent about 10 years as the executive director of the Hampton Library in Bridgehampton. And um, when Kathy Creedon shared that she was going to retire, I thought I would move 10 minutes up the road. Who wouldn't want to be the director of this stunning building in this amazing, vibrant community? And just, you know, it's just, I like the vibe and I love the building and I'm just, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier here. So I'm excited to sort of see what, what's new, what we can offer to the, to the community in Sag Harbor and how we can work with our local not-for-profits and other institutions in the community to just provide really great service to, to our, our stakeholders. Where do you live now? Are you in Sag Harbor or someone drive to work? I I actually live in Greenport, New York. So I, for the last, let's see, when did I start? Probably for about the last 15, 17 years, I've, I've been taking two boats to work and two boats home every day. And I think I have about the best commute in the world. If you can commute by boat, do it. I might want to mention about the, uh, I guess, the, the break given to the people who commute over those who just use the ferries either for a one-time thing or if you take a passage on the ferry, it's somewhere like what, $10, $12, one way or something like that. But I think if you are a commuter or a local, you can get a packet for very, very much less. Yes. So I take both boats. So North Ferry costs me $46 a week, although I hear they're considering a rate hike. And um the South Ferry uh, is about $27. For those who don't know, these are very short ferry rides to get across Shelter Island, which sits between the North and South Forks. The ferry rides are about uh, 15 minutes long. And uh, you can see across to the other side from both of them. They're part of the history of this community. Um, well, that's wonderful that that. Yeah. Oh, something you really love to do. And and uh, one of the interesting stories about the library was how it came to finally expand was uh, there was a, a large mansion hard up against the back of the library, which uh, was owned by a physician who had two daughters. 
and for her father passed on uh, maybe 20 years ago. The daughters lived there for a long time, and they could never agree on what they wanted to do with the house. <laughs> and for the last 10 years of their lives, uh, they one of them would sell the library and the other one would say, no, we're not. And then it wound up at one point, there was a sale on the front steps of the building. It was falling down, falling apart. And in the end, it it it, uh, it got to a point where it, it looked clearly as if it should be bulldozed down and removed, even though it was a historic building. And somehow the library worked around it and created a, uh, a very uh, tall, uh, and a and, uh, short extension in the back, which I believe is two or three three stories high, maybe four, and um, solved solve the problem. And eventually it was sold by somebody to who actually restored the house and is now living in that grand house. That's, that's yes. And I, I think I haven't I haven't checked the real estate listing lately, but it was up for sale again, not that long ago. Well, it might still be for sale yeah. unless somebody purchased it. But they did a beautiful job restoring it. And for the community also, finally, you get that settled. Yeah. And it's it's a much nicer. So, I mean, there's there's still privet there, but it's it's much nicer to look out the staff room window and, and see that rather than sort of the the um, disarray that the the original house was in when we first moved back into this space. Briefly about some of the services that the uh, library provides, particularly the newer ones in such an ancient building. Um, sure. So one of the things we're super excited about that we're really growing by leaps and bounds with the help of our new emerging technologies librarian, Anthony, is we're really growing our library of things. And so uh, what is a library of things? It's stuff that libraries would not necessarily traditionally circulate. So it's not books, it's not movies, it's things like a telescope and passes to visit local museums and museums in the city. We have a podcasting kit. We have uh, retro game consoles. So you can come in and borrow a Nintendo or a Sega Genesis um, to teach your kids how to play the games you played back when, when you were a kid or when I was a kid. We also have some interesting tools. So we have a um, an electricity use monitor. We have one of the things that you plug into your car to uh, the diagnostic tool to tell you what is that light on your dashboard beeping for? Um, so we have a lot of interesting things that you may not want to own, go out and buy and own, but you can borrow it from the library. What would you think would go on that people might say, gee, I ought to call the library to help with that? We certainly are taking suggestions because, you know, we don't want to buy a lot of stuff nobody's going to use, right? Because uh, we do operate with taxpayer dollars. So we want to buy stuff that is of interest to our patrons. So we would say if you have a recommendation for our library of things to uh, let us know, and it's certainly something we can add. We're looking to add a VCR because people don't have VCRs anymore, but have these videotapes that, you know, their parents took when they were on vacation in the in the 70s and the 80s, right? We also have um, conversion services. So if you have sl old slides or film, we can actually convert that to digital for you. 
And then the other thing, which I think is really cool and is just not getting enough press for any of the libraries in Suffolk County, is we've partnered with Stony Brook Health. And I would say almost all of the 56 libraries in Suffolk County, including us, have heart rate, I'm sorry, not heart rate, blood pressure monitors and cups, which you can check out for 30 days. It comes with a little red bag with all the information on how to use it and how to track your blood pressure. And, um, you know, with heart disease being, you know, one of the, the number one reasons for sickness and death, uh, it's really important for you to, you know, be, be aware of what your blood pressure is and see what's going on. So we have those to circulate as well. Do you have any collections of, uh, from important people in Say Harbor at the library? Sure. Our local history collection, um, which is curated by my fabulous local archivist, Catherine Tremblay, has lots of really interesting collections that we're currently working to digitize and then to also put into our catalog so people can can find them. We have a collection of... Can you name some of the people that are you're collecting their stuff? Well, we're collecting everyone's stuff. So if you have something you want to donate that's that's of interest to to the history of Sag Harbor, we will we will absolutely take it. We do have some letters from Steinbeck up in the the collection. Um, John Steinbeck, of course, um, being a very popular name because he was a an amazing prolific writer, but also a Sag Harbor character. And also uh, we have the the park going in now. And of course the Steinbeck house, we have photographs from uh, Tooker. We also are working on some, some other stuff that we're digitizing. That is just not in my head at the moment. So mention a few other things that are happening at the library. We'll look and with that. Sure. Again, I would just say we have a, a ton of programs that are going on. We have an amazing Friday morning sensory story time uh, for for kids with, you know, sensory issues that we encourage people to come to. That's for kids of all ages. We do a wonderful Sunday story time. We have a Monday fiber arts group that meets. It's it's a really great group of, of women that do all sorts of fiber arts from knitting to crocheting, needlepoints. If there's fiber involved, you're more than welcome to come. Our friends of the library have an event coming up at Barron's Cove on May 21st with uh, cookbook authors, um, Stacey Dermont, and who wrote the Hamptons cookbook, the Hamptons Kitchen. Um, so she'll be she'll be speaking, and that's going to be just a wonderful event. Uh, if you've ever been out to Barron's Cove, it's just such a beautiful spot. Mm-hmm. And... Um, trying to think what else, just come in and see us. We've got a lot going on. We're happy to teach you how to use your devices, um, show you what we have in our digital collection. We love people to come in and tell us what they're looking for. And, you know, if people aren't coming into the library, we'd love to know why. Um, so we can we can really create a, a great space for you. We're also doing a little expand, uh, don't want to say expansion, a, a refurb, a, a refresh of the lower level where we'll be replacing the flooring and also expanding the, the children's area on the lower level and then moving our teen department up to the main floor. So we'll be closed, you know, sort of during that quiet time between August and September to do this little refresh, but it's going to give us the opportunity to just provide more and better service to, to our patrons. Thank you so much for uh, being on this podcast. And uh, I wanted to uh, thank you for coming. 
Ah, thank you for inviting me. It was it was so nice. I was excited. Okay. Thank you again.